Welcome to In Asia from the Asia Foundation. I'm John Rieger. And I'm Tracy Yang. Our guest today is the Asia Foundation's Jaime Faustino, who, along with John Seidel of the London School of Economics, is co-author of the new book, Thinking and Working Politically in Development. For listeners who may not be development wonks, thinking and working politically is a thing, and it has been for about a decade. The book chronicles the successes and disappointments of Coalitions for Change, a program in the Philippines that, since 2012, has worked to apply these ideas in ways that were genuinely problem-driven, iterative, adaptive, and entrepreneurial. That sounds great, and a little bit vague. So here to nail it down and talk to us about the new book is Jaime Faustino. Welcome to In Asia. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Where are you coming to us from today, Jaime? Yeah, I'm speaking to you from uh, uh, my living room here in Manila as we're all in lockdown. Well, thanks for being with us today. Coalitions for Change. What is it and why did you decide to write a book about it? Yeah, well, Coalitions for Change has started back in uh, 2012 as a partnership between uh, the Australian Embassy and the Asia Foundation here in the Philippines. Fundamentally, it's kind of different from most development projects, which really provide technical assistance to governments or grants to civil society organizations. In our case, we're really working with leaders both inside and outside of government focused on identifying and introducing specific policy reforms, which are designed to change the incentives and behavior of organizations and individuals to lead to better outcomes. So Coalitions for Change emphasizes the idea of thinking and working politically, which is also the title of your book. Um, Some of our listeners may not be familiar with this idea. Can you talk about it? So the basic idea here is in development, the kind of original development practice was really a division of labor between development agencies and host governments. So development agencies would provide the technical expertise and host governments would kind of, in a sense, handle the politics. This has led to a little bit of frustration. So, for example, a technically correct recommendation may go against the interests of the elites or the specific government agency that you're working with. So the recommendation will be, oh, you need to open up this sector of the economy with telecommunications or civil aviation or something, you know, to promote more competition, for example. But in fact, there are, like most developing countries, strong vested interests who are opposed to more competition. So you've got a perfect technical recommendation that founders on the shoals of political settlements. Absolutely. Well well put, my friend. You should have written the book with <laughs> it. So the actual technical recommendation is logical and clear, except that on the other side, the political dimension, then the governments themselves are constrained from taking those kinds of steps because they may be going against some of the strong vested interests in the country. In the words of one regulator to me, you're asking me to commit suicide. So aligning interests of both development agencies as well as uh, leaders and the government here, that's the political dimension of Coalitions for Change. So, Jaime, your book highlights several projects and issues that Coalitions for Change has tackled. Is there one particular jewel in the crown? Yeah, I would recommend, of course, you know, you're asking me of uh, 
which one is my favorite child, right? And I love all of them. But I think it would be our, our chapter on uh, education reform. The reform itself is simple and straightforward. Since the public school system was established in 1910, the government never purchased land for schools. They were always donated or given, right? We get to the point now where the population has increased there are 24 million students, and some schools are bursting at the seams to the point where, in the worst cases, there are 100 students per classroom, so they have three shifts. So as I recall from the book, the government actually recognized that classroom overcrowding was a serious problem, and they had set aside money for building more classrooms, and yet the money was not getting spent and it took coalitions for change to look at the problem from all different angles and find out where the bottleneck was. Yeah, that's correct. In fact, we had originally bought into the idea that the problem was classroom congestion. So we hold some workshops. This is kind of how the, the process works. We held some workshops, and because we had read these reports, we had a solution in mind. But the participants to the workshop, parent-teacher, associations, principals, when we gave them the analysis, they were kind of lukewarm. And we couldn't figure out why is it that they don't really agree. So we went back to our notes after like two workshops. And buried in there was the analysis that came from them. Hey, the problem is not the money for buildings or classrooms. The problem is we don't have enough land on where to build those. So the truth is, the first two workshops, we had an answer and we weren't really listening. <laughs> and then we figured out that, hey, they're telling us where the problem really is. So Jaime, some critics of thinking and working politically say it's impossible to evaluate its impact. What do they mean by that? And what do you say to that? Well... We're on a rolling theory of change. So all pieces of the theory of change, from the current situation to our proposed reform, to the change of incentives and behavior to an improved outcome, those are constantly in flux. In the beginning, oftentimes in our reform projects, our theory of change may go through weekly changes. So is it really hard to keep um, a vested interest among your donors or beneficiaries trying when you're constantly kind of changing and adapting your your process? Actually, I think it's the other way around. You know, on a daily basis, we're kind of assessing, okay, what have you heard? What did the president say? What did you see in the column? It's like you're playing the game. You're in the middle of the game. So you're, and the, our uh, development partners at the Australian Embassy, they're delighted to be part of it. And so our leaders, that is their DNA. And they're looking for, you know, opportunities or openings to try and introduce the reform. It's a great story of uh, going back to our education story. Our team leader is at a wedding and the secretary of education is one of the main sponsors. And she takes the chance to brief him on our reform while he's at the presidential table. It's a shock, shocking <laughs> breach of etiquette. Exactly. 
it happened right there. She made the decision. I'm going to let him at least finish his dessert, and I'm going to hit him with our reform. <laughs> Jaime, what lessons should development practitioners working in Asia take away from the experiences of coalitions for change uh, after reading this book? Yeah, a couple of a uh, couple of key messages. I mean, for what I uh, we work in, you know, maybe 15 to to 18 broad areas, from education to disaster risk reduction to peace and stability to um, persons deprived of liberty. The thing that strikes me is there are leaders in every area who want to make their society better. But one of the traits of leaders is they want autonomy. They want to be self-directed. The challenge for development agencies is leaders don't want to be told what to do. And development agencies, to get their projects approved, need to say what they're going to do. Coalitions for Change is a project structure that provides the predictability and accountability for the development agency, but also attracts the leaders who want their autonomy. The second message is there is a coherent logic for working in an iterative adaptive and entrepreneurial way. Coalitions for Change draws on academic work that centers around entrepreneurial logic. What makes entrepreneurs entrepreneurial? The development industry grew up with linear logic drawn from the practice of building roads, where you put a Gantt chart together, and then you implement step one, step two, step three. But if you apply that to policy reform and development, complex development problems today, the Gantt chart doesn't really work because you've got all these contingent situations that you need to constantly make adjustments for. So the five principles of entrepreneurial logic are what's essential for the success of coalitions for change. Those five principles, I can go through them just to give you a quick uh, review. The first one is just start with what you have, uh, as opposed to the linear logic, which says do analysis first before starting. The second principle is make small bets. Go ahead and learn by doing. Right? Again, that's a way of managing risk for entrepreneurs. They don't bet the whole farm. They just make little tests you know, to see what's working. And then whichever is gaining traction, then they pursue that further. The third principle is the idea of expecting and exploiting surprises. Again, the other side, linear logic says, try to predict all of the risks and all of the surprises. That's why they have these risk matrices that they develop. The fourth principle is the use of networks and coalitions. Right? As opposed to seeing others as competitors, uh, entrepreneurs always see each other as, I can do an exchange deal here and, get some, and each of us can do an exchange of, of goods or services. And the final principle is the idea that the future is made, not predicted. So there's a strong bias for action over analysis. Jaime Faustino, thank you so much for a fascinating conversation. It's been great to have you here. Thank you for having me.
The book is called Thinking and Working Politically in Development, Coalitions for Change in the Philippines by Jaime Faustino and John Seidel. It drops on July 29th, and it will be available for download right here on this page. So stay tuned. Until next time, I'm John Rieger. And I'm Tracy Yang. Thanks for listening.